Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love sharing news from our sponsor, Healing Inside Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are here to help you, especially when it comes to the health concerns that are unique to us women. At Healing Insight, women's health is a huge priority. They're helping women who think they just have to live with things like painful periods, PMS and PMDD, endometriosis and fibroids. Women like Beth, who shared this testimonial. She said, I had such bad cramps that I was suffering with PMS for three weeks out of the month and my moods were all over the place. The practitioners at Healing Insight worked their magic with acupuncture and herbs. I feel like a much better version of myself again. Senya says many of her patients are like Beth who think being on the birth control permanently is the only way to solve their hormonal issues and Senya says that's just not true. Healing Insight's holistic approach can rebalance your hormones naturally so you're not struggling with your cycle every month. And Healing Insight practitioner Nikki Ballian was also just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's one of only nine practitioners to have this certification in the whole state of Minnesota. Listen to the episodes of Best of the Nest featuring Senya, number 25, simply titled Anxiety, and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And it's back to school time. It should be. It should be. Boy, is it complicated this year. And Elizabeth, I wanted to share a couple of headlines with you. So these are from just a couple of hours ago. From USA Today, the headline was, The Virus Beat Us. Colleges are increasingly going online for fall 2020 semester as COVID-19 cases rise. It goes on to say, call it coronavirus deja vu. After planning ways to reopen campuses this fall, colleges are increasingly changing their minds, dramatically increasing online offerings or canceling in-person classes outright. The sudden shift will be familiar to students whose spring plans were interrupted by rapid spread of the coronavirus. Now, COVID-19 cases in much of the country are much higher than in the spring and rising in many places. In many cases, the colleges have had to have released plans for social distant in-person classes only a few weeks ago, hoping to beat the coronavirus. Instead, said Robert Kelchin, a professor of higher education at Seton Hall University, the virus beat us. Boy, that doesn't feel good. No. And coincidentally, my sister is a law professor there, and she sent me a picture of what they were trying to do at the law school to protect the students and protect the professors. There's a lot of plexiglass involved, a lot of (laughs) distancing involved. The Wall Street Journal's reporting, at stake are the health and well-being of more than 20 
million students, faculty and staff, as well as, bill- as well as billions of dollars in revenue from tuition, dormitories, dining halls, and sport competitions. If colleges allow students back on campus, they could be inviting a public health nightmare. Yet keeping classes online risks a drop in enrollment by students transferring elsewhere sitting out the year. The University of Michigan, which plans to have students on campus, estimated this spring that its losses from the pandemic could reach $1 billion. Oh, my gosh. And then you add in, I mean, what it is going to cost all of these universities if they're not able to play sports, which is a huge, huge revenue stream for these universities. I mean, I went to the University of Wisconsin and the UW football team funds a lot of operations there. This is a huge, huge deal economically. This is a huge, huge deal for the country, but we're best to the nest. We look at our nest. We look small. We look at what affects a families, what affects a family. And I just kept thinking about all of the college, all of those graduating seniors who lost a senior year that they would have, they lost prom, they lost a traditional graduation, they lost yeah. all of those things. And now they lose the excitement of going off to school in their freshman year. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about, first of all, between us, what was your memory of the weeks before going off to college? Oh my gosh, it was like the greatest time of life because I remember going to Bed Bath & Beyond and getting multiple cartloads yep. full of yep. stuff. And my mom is an interior designer and so she has always taken the bed design of our dorms very, very seriously. <laughs> So it was quite a production. There were always multiple layers of coordinating towels and everything. And I remember just being so excited for this transition and that idea that I was going to live on my own for the first time and moving into the dorm and knowing those who were going to UW with me. We had a few friends from high school that were going to and how we were all going to handle it and how we were even going to communicate with each other because there were no cell phones back then. So we didn't like call each other or text each other. Yeah. Nobody got a cell phone until my sophomore year of college. So I went to school with no phone. And so funny. I just remember feeling so excited. And I remember when my parents left me there, I think I had like 50 bucks. I mean, I don't think I really had any money and I just was figuring out like how I was going to do that. But I had my dorm room set up and I just had a feeling of excitement and joy and independence unlike anything I've ever felt before or since, for sure. And knowing that feeling, I follow Meredith Sinclair on Instagram. Uh, Meredith Sinclair has been a guest before with us on Best of the Nest, just to refresh everybody's memory. She's a former elementary school teacher. She has a master's in education, and she has turned that expertise into improving lives by spreading the gospel of play. I think I pulled this bio from her publisher because she is also the author of Well Played, The Ultimate Guide to Awakening Your Family's Playful Spirit. She's a good friend, and I follow her on Instagram, and so I've been following the saga of her sons. And Meredith, why don't you join us now? Because this has been really sort of hard and sad to watch. And I think you've been such a a voice of optimism. But tell us a little bit about your situation with both your sons, because COVID has hit them in a very, uh, has hit them in a way that I I think it's hit, obviously, many, many um, young men and women. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy to talk to you guys about this, because like you said, it has been the thing that has taken over this year for us. 2020 was supposed to be such a celebration for our family. I had one son graduating from college 
and one son graduating from high school. So we thought, gosh, you know, when they're little, you you think, man, 2020, both kids are going to graduate. It's such a celebration. And we've been looking forward to this for years. So this happens, and my husband and I talk about how when it happened in March, when it, when schools first shut down, we thought, okay, it'll be a few weeks. <laughs> Everybody will be back to normal by the time June rolls around, and we'll it'll still happen. Just had no idea the magnitude of this. And so as this has been rolling out, it has been one, honestly, it's been one disappointment and crushing event after another for my my boys. So first it was my oldest son who was at the University of Mon- I'm sorry, it was at Montana State. Mm-hmm. And and that just didn't happen. And so he just yesterday, two days ago, uh drove from Montana to L- to LA, finally left Montana. And yeah, that that went away and that was crushing and then my uh, my younger son Truman, like you said, no prom, no and also literally told on a Thursday, get everything out of your locker. We're, sh- we're shutting down school. And they fully thought they would see their friends again yeah. and never, and never, never did. did. Um, and never did. And so our school tried to reschedule for late July to do a senior week and a prom and a graduation, which got canceled again. So it's been, they did, they did a, um, a drive through everybody in masks graduation parade, which we thought was a placeholder for the regular graduation. So we didn't even like take, we didn't even get dressed up. We <laughs> thought this was like, just a quickie, you know, thing to market that ended up being their graduation. And it, it's really emotional for me to talk about. I, I, I still, when I talk about it, I get emotional and a little teary because as a mom too, your, your expectation and what you want for your child, because you've had that that experience, right. is crushing. Like when you guys are talking about, like, what was it like getting, going back to school for, and getting ready for college? I'm sad about that because I know what, what that's like. And, and my son has seen my older son get all of those things. I come from a place of optimism. I'm an optimist. I try really hard to be, to look at the, the bright side, the silver lining, but this has tried <laughs> me in in ways I never thought. Like I, I, I've had days where I just have to let myself cry and let myself be sad, and, and for him, and then pick it, pick ourselves back up and make a plan and go forward. So it has been a very, very trying time, and, and there are a lot of people going through our exact same situation. And while that's comforting in some ways, it's like it's not just you, Truman. It's it's hundreds of thousands of kids trying to get back to college and going through these same things, it still doesn't really help. No. It, it still really hurts. Yeah. And it's like navigating expectations that are crushed and moments that you will not get back. That's the truth. That is just yeah. the truth. You can't recreate these things. They, we're not going to, you're not going to have a graduation from high school. You just aren't. You're not ever, and, you know, and it's funny because my, I have a boy who, unlike I think girls, I hear a lot from boy moms that like, it doesn't all come out at once. Right. It comes out in these little bits. Like one day Truman just came out in the living room and was like, you know what? I just realized like, I'm never going to have that com- like collective experience of a prom. What does a prom feel like? What is that? I'm like, I'm never going to have it. 
And it's it's hard. And it, it, I think the important tough. thing is, is, and this is why I wanted to talk to you, Meredith, is we talk a lot about little kids on this podcast. Yeah. And, you know, I have a 28 and a 26-year-old. And I'm watching them trying to navigate their life through a pandemic where if you look at the 20-something experience, that's where you should be hanging out with your friends or you might meet your wife or you might Mm -hmm. meet – my son can't date. I mean, dating's totally Mm -hmm. weird. Neither one of them are dating. And they talk about, you know, have a Tinder date where you have a Zoom call. (laughs) What the hell? You know, and so you – Brutal. Yeah. I mean, you just think about all of these things. But those key moments – I mean, I I am – I've talked to Elizabeth and I've told Elizabeth, like, I call and am touched with them every day. And there are times when I can see, particularly my older son's eyes, where he's working super hard – but he's in one room 24-7 in his apartment still carrying on business. And I just keep checking in with him like, are you good? Are you okay? That having been said, when I think about your sons and all the other sons and daughters that are in this sort of 18 to 22-year-old age, my son's got their college experiences. And, and let's just put it on the table that – what a privilege it is for all of these kids that we're going to be able to go off to college. What a great thing that is. It still doesn't minimize what they're missing. Like, and, and I just think about, um, and I want you to talk about Truman a little bit because I do follow you on Instagram. So I know your children through Instagram. Truman's a musician and he worked yeah. really, really hard in high school <clears throat> to get accepted. Talk about where he was accepted to go to school and how that's changing. Yeah, golly. So, you know, that whole last semester of junior year and first semester of senior year, it's all about those applications. And as a musician, he was auditioning and he had applied his top two schools that, you know, he really wanted were Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And then the pie in the sky that he never thought he could get into was USC Thornton School of Music. Huge, huge. And I'm going to try not to cry because... When he got when he got that acceptance in January, oh. he I mean he came into my bedroom and he was like, "Mom, I I got into USC," and we and we both I, I was actually taking a nap. Got I'm to be honest with you, I was taking a nap, and he wasn't supposed to find out that day. It was supposed to be like Friday, and it was a Tuesday, and suddenly they just were like they announced it online. So it was a surprise. We weren't expecting it, and he came in. And literally, this face of shock on him, like, I, I got in. Because it is a very, very small group of kids who get into it's the major. big, music. darn deal. I mean, I'm not kidding. It's under 20 kids. He's going for production, music production. He's a performer, but he's decided, like, look, I'm always going to perform, and he will perform at USC as well. But he's going for music production. Because he, honestly, I'm going to brag a little. He produces all of his own music from his bedroom. That's amazing. They've got uh, his bands on Spotify, and just just hit over 100,000 streams. Like, he's, it's his passion. And he, but he produces it all, so that's what he's going for. So anyway, that's all just to say it was such an exciting moment and then fast forward, you know, March hits, all this stuff happens. We never, ever expected this to carry on into the beginning of college. So he, and we, were, we were talking about like that anticipation of going back to college and we have been holding on to that. And he said to me, USC's plan was, look, we're still going to have part online, part in person, but you can still be in the dorms. And we live here in LA, so but we were still like, you need that dorm experience for sure. You know, he was excited. And 
just a few weeks ago, they made the announcement because our numbers are so high here in LA still that they, they, they can't come. They can't come back. They can't come on campus. So as a musician, yeah. as a music producer, major, you are now going to have to not be in studios. We're going to have to try and do this online, not meet new kids, not, you know, and he, that I will tell you, that was the moment where he, he cracked. Yeah. He, he said, I have been whole, I have been getting through all of these disappointments of senior year because I could turn my, my face, I'm going to try to try my face toward, I, I, I'm getting to go to my dream school. I get to go to USC. What a privilege this is. And when that was taken away, I, I mean, these kids, what we're, what we're dealing with now is supporting him emotionally, mentally through this incredible disappointment. And I will talk a little bit about like how we're, what our plan was, but I will say that was a moment of, we just need to, we just need to be sad. This is just sad. This is just really sad. And we're going to have to feel this. We're going to have to feel it and be okay with this disappointment and going through these emotions and not try and make it better right away. Yeah, you know, yeah. like really hard. And I think it's so, that, that collective feeling of grief and disappointment is so hard. And, you know, you hear all of this, we've been talking about mental health so much and how there will be this mental health break at some point that I don't know if the healthcare system is prepared to manage and handle because the impact is so far and wide. And I think when you look at that, from a, a standpoint to where you have kids that you have teenagers, you know, I was talking with a coworker who has two kids in high school and he said one of them could do distance learning for the rest of the time and have absolutely no problem. It would be great. And it would just be like, he would just go about his business and get his stuff done and have no problem. His other child is completely melting. It's just melting. It's just crushing her soul. And so when you're, when you are looking at all of these decisions that are being made and all of this is, that's coming, it, I know we talk about making the decisions based on the health and the risk of COVID, but I, I just keep saying like the, the mental risk for some of these kids is so difficult to, to just reconcile that I think in many cases, that's going to be a bigger impact than COVID would have on people. Yes, for those individual kids. And that's the that's the hard part is teaching your teenagers that this is about the collective, that 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 they have to lose all of these opportunities to protect somebody else's grandparents, to protect somebody else's. There's all these other things going on that they're the ones that have to sort of bear the brunt of their life being changed in such a substantial way. And I, I just don't know how you can say that to somebody, but how do you tell a kid who's worked his whole high school career? I mean, as parents, that's what we, that's what we use as the carrot. Study mm-hmm. hard, work hard, be good, be involved in your community. All of these things are going to matter because, you know, look at this next step of your life that you get to take. And it, yeah. and it's not that he's not going to get to go to college. I mean, he's still going to get to go to college, but in a completely different way. That won't be the same experience. And for somebody like Truman, I mean, it, you need the collaboration. You, that's where the, that's where the spark's going to come from. He needs a studio. But yeah. And you, you know what too? What, what also is just the kicker for this is he, his two best friends. And thankfully, I'm so thankful for this. He has two guy friends who 
they, these boys, they talk about their feelings. They support each other. Truman doesn't, just to piggyback on what you said about the collective good, he does not want now, like knowing what the numbers are and what what his life would have looked like at the dorm even in this interim place of like, you can come, but you can't really you can't really gather in places and you can't, and if one kid gets it on your floor, you're quarantined and we'll bring you your meals. Yeah. And like, that was going to look a little crazy anyway, but he now has like, we, we've, we've worked through this over the, the past couple of weeks and he has never been like of the mindset. Well, I, you know, I'm losing all this and, and, and I just want to go no matter what he does see the collect this, this generation of kids. I mean, at least, in my like where we are in the school that he's in, they they do care about the the greater mm-hmm. the picture here, and they don't want people's lives to be at stake. Hey, Nesters, we want you to know more about one of our incredible guests turned sponsor on Best to the Nest. Annalisha Nimala is the powerhouse behind the Exercise 180 community and movement. We had an incredibly emotional and raw conversation with Annalisha on episode 92 that focused on how we look at, treat, and value our bodies. And you can go further with Annalisha by becoming an Exercise 180 member. When you do, you get an all-access pass to Annalisha's E180 digital course, private podcast, online workout videos, and private Facebook group where she hosts health challenges and live events, everything you need to become one of the strongest, healthiest people you know in body and mind, and to initiate you into a movement creating real change for the next generation, specifically our daughters. Go to exercise180.com forward slash join down now for more about her membership and she also offers a free master class that lays out the seven principles her E180 philosophy is built on. Get signed up for that at exercise180.com. As a bonus, everyone who signs up for her free master class receives a special link that allows you to get registered for her membership at a big discount. And go back and listen to episode 92 of Best to the Nest. It's a must listen. And he did just last week say, look, his two best friends are their schools are their schools are opening. One one of his friends is going to Tulane, the other one's going to Mich- Michigan, the one the school that you just yeah. mentioned, and they're opening. And we we can't even wrap our head around how that's happening at this lar- these large campuses. And what we what we keep saying to Truman is yes, Truman, they're opening, but we we'll see for how long they're opening yeah. because you, you get a bunch of college kids together and ask them to like social distance. There's just no way that's happening. So I don't know how this is going to work, but I hope it does. I hope everyone's wonderful and healthy and that that works because that would help our school to open. But um, his friends are leaving. And so that's very, very hard for him because those all those kids have been sort of quarantining together. We know where all of them have been. There's only two other kids, so we know um, they've been tested. Like they're... We've allowed them to be together in person. Right. It's his pod. And that it's his pod. Been amazing. It's his pod, and it has been a lifesaver for him. And they're about to leave in August. And Truman has said, "I now have to try and make new friends over a screen in college." I don't know how that's going to look. And I don't, he's a very social kid. Like he doesn't have trouble making friends. There are kids that have trouble making friends. And and now we've got this situation. So you're right to, the, to your point of these, the schools are going to have to give big support mentally, emotionally, um, psychologically for these kids who 
are navigating this and are like you said, alone, alone in their rooms. Now we have a small house. (laughs) It's we're all together and we our our family squad is pretty tight. So we are very open with our conversation and like he'll tell us how he's feeling. I don't know that all families have that. And so I worry about kids who are very isolated. I I just did another uh, a podcast last week where we were talking about helping our teenagers through this. And a lot of the moms said, my, my kid is isolated. Like they, they don't really want to come out of the room. They really don't want to talk to me about what's going on. And that's scary. That can be scary. I have a lot of friends with young kids who I've been helping because that's what I, you know, typically write about is young families. And, and I'll tell you, it's easy. It's, it's a lot easier in many, many ways because you're just about, it's about keeping their world the way it is and activities and they can be distracted. And with teenagers who won't necessarily tell you how they're feeling until something goes wrong or we're we're talking, we're talking about life and drugs. They take action without telling you how they're feeling. I mean, that's the, that's the scary thing is they can take an intense action because my daughter is supposed to start kindergarten. So we just got the announcement from the governor of Minnesota yesterday that things um, that each district is making its own decision and we're sending our daughter to a charter school so they're not even I mean the district will make its decision and then this school will make its own decision and so we've been getting communication about that but I was thinking about it because we said to her Meredith yesterday morning we said so the governor is going to talk about kindergarten today and we're going to find out because she knows what COVID is. She, you know, she knows about the mask. She knows about the whole thing. And so she gets it. And she said, and I, and she said, well, what is he going to say? I said, well, he might say that we're, that you're going to go to school just a couple days a week. And then you would spend more time with mama at home. And she just like lit up beaming. And I thought, (laughs) boy, I have it pretty good right now because I'd had that conversation with my coworker about his high school kids and it's been easy to sort of get wrapped up in the, if you have little kids, you're just trying to, it's hard. It's definitely harder with little kids to balance work and parenting. That's 100% true. That being said, it is easier to manage the mental health of your little kids than it is your older kids. It's just, there's just no question. And to kind of, manage the disappointments because like for her, she doesn't know what she's not going to know any different. She doesn't know what kindergarten looks like on the first day ever. You can manipulate their world. And that sounds like a terrible word in a way, but you can manipulate their world any way you want because they don't know. They have no idea. She has no idea what kindergarten looks like. If you said kindergarten was two days a week and that's what it was, that's all she'd know. Right. And I think that's the harder part when you, when you're talking about teenagers in particular. And I, my heart, because I have two men, I understand boys. I didn't have any daughters. And I just look at, I just, I, I, I keep thinking about sort of these 18 to 24 year olds. Like that, I think is sort of a sweet spot of distress. That is a terrible sentence, actually. But I mean, that's like right there. That's because they're going out into the world or they're supposed to be going out into the world to learn how to make responsible decisions for themselves. And you you hope that you've done everything you can to give them a strong family support system at home. And you've told them all these things that are going to happen for them. Like if you've been parenting well, you've set them up for the world is this big, beautiful place and you're going to take your place in it and you're going to, you're going to achieve and you're going to have fun and you're going to make friends and it's going to be amazing. Oh, sorry. All that's gone. 
Right. You prepare, you're, you're preparing them to fly, yeah. especially those last four years of high school. It's in your, the top of your mind is my job is that after these four years happen, the best thing is that my child is going to be able to fly and stand on their own two feet and be a good person in this world that I want them to launch into. As hard as it is to say goodbye, my, my husband would always say, honey, what's the alternative? Right. The, alternative is, <laughs> the alternative is they don't leave and they can't leave. And that's not good. Like, that's, that's not good. That's not the goal here. No. Like, like, you know, he's like, that's like, you know, we're doing this. We're, yeah. If you've done a good job, that's the, that's what happens. They, yeah. if they can't, I mean, all, you know, there's a lot of other, circumstances no, where maybe for sure, can't, that's and that's the okay. That's, you haven't done a good job, right. but I mean, that is in a typical situation. That's what you're hoping. Um, yeah. And I will say Marjorie, it just to like, to that point, we have been navigating these moments with Truman where he'll come out and say something that you have to deal with right then. Mm-hmm. Like he, he came out of his room. Like it, it, it's typically like he's a musician. So he, thank goodness. Like, he has, has his music. He is, I'm telling you right. It, the, the songwriting is going real yeah, well. I will I just bet. say because he's pouring it all into his music, and I'm very thankful that he has something like that. But he'll come out typically from like writing or doing that, and and say something that's just spewing out of him emotionally. And he said he was sort of distressed about it and upset, and he said is there any way like that you and dad could just like go away for a couple nights and like, I could be here alone. He said, I need to be responsible. I'm going to cry. I just feel like I need to be responsible for myself. And like, I want to be an adult and I don't have a chance to do this right now. Like I'm still just like your kid and I should be launching into college and like, and, and, and feeling that sense of like independence. And I just don't have it. And I, I, if I could just be here a couple nights and be responsible for the dog, even oh. like, just, is that, is that just amazing? Like, I, I, yeah. I'm like, what? Okay. You're feeling this need. Like you're talking about Marjorie of like, it's that distress of I'm itchy. I'm itchy to launch. Right. I'm itchy to get into the world and I don't have a place or a chance to do it. Right. And I need some way right. to funnel that. And that, and you know what? And we're doing it in like on the 9th and 10th of August, we found this place up in, like it's an hour and a half away near Big Sur. And John and I are going to stay in a yurt. It looks really cool, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's called like Tree Roots Resort. And I'm I'm, like promoting it, but like Tree Roots Resort, it was the only night they had. And we were like, we'll "We'll take it. We're there. We had two nights. We're staying in a yurt for two nights that looks over the ocean. And we're like, dude have at it. And he's a good boy. I can trust him. I know his friends. Like we're like, have a friend up. He, yeah. you know, he respects our home. Sure. First of all, they're not partying. No one's, no one's here to party with. It's like, so he's going to have his friend over and they're going to, and actually his two bandmates. And he said, their plan is to, they're, they're like, we have, we have five songs we have to record and we want to like write more. And they're just going to have this powwow here in the hills of like music writing and be responsible for themselves without parents around. Yeah, because they're craving and that independence. It. And also that is yeah. like the best LA thing ever that you're going to a yurt that's called Tree Roots. <laughs> Meredith, can we just like call it's that so out hippie. for our Midwestern so listeners? <laughs> yes. Near Big Sur, yeah. I was like, I want trees and uh, and kumbaya for a yeah. while, and, and maybe a couple of edibles. You know, I mean, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it's 
I'm sure there will be a couple guns. <laughs> Something well, will happen. As you've gone through this, and I, I'm so grateful to you for talking about it because I think it's something that so many families are going through and we forget sometimes that even in the privilege of going to college, which we all acknowledge, that there's pain in losing that experience and that's real and that has to be talked about and we want to na- we want to help these children because they're still children at 18 to navigate that disappointment. What is What would you say if you had to give counsel to other families. You said you were on another podcast talking about this and you are an educator, your teacher. What would you, what advice would you give other parents of 18 year old boys and girls who are living through this disappointment? What has worked for you with Truman? What hasn't? What would you, what would you say to them? Well, I've definitely learned so much going through this with my own child. And the thing I would say is, uh, I know that they, that especially this age kid, they a lot of times don't want to talk to you about it when you want to talk about it, yeah. right? So you, you're like, I'm feeling upset and I see that they're a little distressed and so I want to like go right up to like right in their face and like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? How are you feeling? And I was doing that with Truman and it was a, it was a lot. Like it, I had to, allow him, first of all, I had to say, look, I'm worried. I'm sad for you. And my inclination is to try and make sure you're okay and parent you. And I want you to know that I I am here. I want to hear every awful emotion you're going through when you're ready to talk to me about it. Nothing's going to, you can tell me all the things you're feeling, even if you're worried about telling me because you don't want to upset me or whatever, but I'm going to give you the time to come to me when you're ready. And also it might, it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. It's going to, it's going to come out in these weird ways. They're going to, they're going to snip at you about something else completely because they're upset about this loss. And you, and that's the moment to sort of go and ask and say, like, is there more to, what are you really feeling? Like what's, where's this coming from? In those, in those like sort of aggressive, yucky moments where they're just not nice people to you right now, you know? But what a teaching moment that is for men and boys in general. I mean, because I do mm -hmm. think there is a difference in a lot of ways in parenting boys and girls. And you can see that when you're, they're young and you can see that moving ahead. But I mean, the biggest, the way that a lot of women manifest fear is through tears and sadness. The way that men manifest fear is through anger and being short. And you can see that in your marriages probably, you know, I can see it in mine. You can see it in your relationships. And when, if you are getting those boys into the habit of when they're going through something difficult to, they have that snippy kind of, that's their gut. That's what happens. That's how, that's how it squeezes out. But to take a look at what's really going on and have a safe space to do that, and then that's their immediate next reaction. I mean, that's that's an amazing gift, Meredith. Like your daughters in law well, are going to go. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I hope you so. Are doing- I mean, because right right below anger is sadness. Yes. I mean, right yeah. right right below. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. uh, just underneath. So so if you can exactly acknowledge that anger and not be. Like, how dare you talk to me that way and get angry back? Yeah, that's not going to work. Is, I've done it yeah. too. I'm just like, you can't talk to me that way. Wait, 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 what? Yeah. But if, like, what is really going on? Like, what are you feeling here? Like, what? And it, you know what? They want, they want to tell you. They do want to let it out. They just don't feel like they can as guys, like, 
go there, you know, and so that'd be one thing. And then also something that I did wrong that I had to learn from was when Truman came out of his room that one day and was just like really cracked after the whole, you're not going to college and blah, blah, blah. And he was venting and he was mad and sad and dumping it, just dumping it all. And my initial reaction is I'm going to make this better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Truman, here's, here's yeah. what we're going to do. Here's what we could do. We can give you your own space back there and you can have, and we can make this into your studio and we can do this. And, we can do this. and I'm just like, so solving yeah. it. And he turned to me and he was like, just let me say that. Like, don't, I don't want to hear any of your solutions. I don't want you to tell me how you're going to make it better. I just need to dump this. And it's so hard to hear. Like, it's just, it's, ripping my heart out listening but I had to be quiet I just had to let him let him walk around the house be angry be mad like sad say how terrible this is say he doesn't want to be home with us anymore because you know just take it and that's okay take it and that's okay for Mm -hmm. him to express that he doesn't want to live with his parents anymore that he's 18 and he was looking forward to not living with you and Mm -hmm. you know I think that's sometimes hard to hear from your kids I'm the same way Meredith I think I'm a fixer. And if there's a problem, mm-hmm. I'm going to fix it for you. But there's a point where for an 18-year-old man, boy, child, man, man child, it's infantilizing. And that infuriates mm-hmm. them even more because they don't want you to fix it. They want it to not be there. They want the problem to be gone and you can't make it gone. And then fluttering mm-hmm. about, I know in the times in my life with them when I've tried to do that, not even under these circumstances, me fluttering about them trying to fix that problem does nothing does nothing. They just want to be in that space of the problem and then perhaps figure it out themselves. But it's hard mm-hmm. to let go as mothers. It's hard to let go of that instinct of, I can make this better. And I think that's the other thing about the situation is we can't. <laughs> like we keep thinking it's going to get better. It's going to get better when it gets better nationally, which is a very hard thing to take in for your small family. Especially um, when you have so yeah, you have so little control over that. Yeah. Meredith, I wonder. Okay, so now are all four of you back in the nest together? Because Maxwell's home too. Oh, we're not all back together. So my my son has an apartment okay. about twenty minutes away, nice. uh, which is perfect, yeah. uh, and he's psyched. Um, so he's here, but we're not all it could, because that he. He didn't want to move back into our home, and I understand that because he's trying to launch into a job here and all of that. And so he had saved enough, you know, I'll just, he'd saved so much money. You know what he did is he was, this is ridiculous. He, He graduated and he did Uber Eats for like all summer and raked in the money. And in, he was in Montana, in this little town, Bozeman, Montana. And so he was just getting like jobs, jobs, job, like, you know, doing his little Uber Eats. So he actually, he's got enough money to like, for a couple months to like have his apartment and he's going on interviews and it's great. So he's not, he, he's not with us, but he's here. And then also just on that last night, he's only been here, last night was his third night. And he texted my son, Truman. This is just, just ripped my heart out in a good way. He texted my son, Truman yesterday and he said, true. I'm going to come get you in 30 minutes. Come sleep over at, at my apartment. Oh. Like, I want to I want to have a sleepover with you. Like, let's get together. Because he knew Truman was like, needs to get out of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he said, you know, you know, Truman is trying so hard. He'll say, 
you guys are great parents. I love you. You've done a great job. I really, you guys, I really do like, you know, I, I like you as parents, like all that, but I just, I just gotta like get out of here for a while. <laughs> like, like we totally get it, Truman. We, we totally get it. So they're, so what's nice is they can be together oh, and they are they're close. And I know Marjorie, you have, you know, your two yeah. boys. It's like, there's nothing better yeah. when your best success, when your two boys love oh. hanging out together and they have that thing. Yeah. So yes, they're, they're together and one, Thing. My my other piece, sort of, of advice for parents who are going through this is like we we just said something that struck me, which was trying to make it better and fix it, and then what they want to do is dump it, go away, and then try and solve it. And that is very very true because Truman went away, dumped it all out, and no joke, about an hour later came out and was like had taken a deep breath, had worked it through in his own head, and then came out and said, you know what, I think this is going to work in this way. Right. Like, what if we did this? Right. And you're right. They want to also be able to help solve the problem. You can you can support them in it, and we definitely gave him ideas. So I think that's another thing of like be that support and throw out ideas. Like I gave him, like we had two back bedrooms, and I said, look, what if one of them is a guest room? And I said, what if we did this? So you're not in that room all the time, working, sleeping. That's all you yeah. do. I said, what if we take the guest room? You sleep in there. It happens to have a bigger bed, and this kid's six three. Mm-hmm. So we're like. You can- <laughs> Be in there. He's like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not in a twin bed anymore. I can have, be, have that queen bed. So we're like, you sleep in there, and then we'll turn your room into your, your like, study, your studio where you work. So you can have separate spaces. And I think if you have any way to do that in your home, if your college kid is staying with you, to, like, expand their space a little bit so that they're not just in that same yeah. room nonstop because that's where they're going to stay and they're going to isolate themselves in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's such a fascinating conversation because normally when we do these podcasts, we kind of feel like you leave having a better idea of how to solve things. And it, there just isn't with this. It's just not, it's not like you can go, okay, we've, we figured out, these are like my top three tips and it's going to be great. And everything that you shared about that supporting is so helpful, Meredith, but it all just comes down to, you don't have any choice right now, but to feel the feelings and then to just take every little minute as it comes, because there's no prescription for everybody and everybody has a different situation and everybody has a different personality type. And so within your family, everyone's handling this so differently, but I just, I think the biggest thing is you have to be, you have to be open to grieving the losses and to feeling the feelings and not trying to shove it down. Because if you shove it down, I mean, we all know, right? It's what happens, Marjorie comes out one way or another. It it sure does. And I think, and that's, I'm so grateful that you shared your story because I think they get to feel the grief of losing a prom. They get to feel the grief of not being able to get away from their parents at age 18 like they thought they were going to, even if they like their parents. Yeah. They have to feel all those feelings and they have to be respected. But thank you so much, Meredith Sinclair. And everybody, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. I pulled this one from uh, a while back. This was actually from February, Elizabeth and Meredith. E. Kramer writes, Loving the Nest. She said, I absolutely love your podcast, and I'm almost finished listening to all of them. My kids are now at school all day. 
And I love listening to you ladies while I work around my nest and walking my dog. I always learn something new and feel like we are best friends. Thanks for bringing so much joy to my nest. I pulled that one because, boy, doesn't that take us back pre-pandemic. <laughs> to February. Oh, to February. February. When mothers enjoyed the fact that their kids had gone off to school and they got their day back. <laughs> yeah. yes. Isn't that the truth? Well, oh. listen, the main goal, try to find some joy in your nest. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to besttothenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.